the ExxonMobil Formula One podcast. Off David Croft. Episode one. Well, hello everyone. I'm David Croft, but you can call me Crofty. Welcome along to the first episode of the brand new ExxonMobil F1 podcast, your exclusive look behind the scenes at the wonderful world of Formula One, and in particular, ExxonMobil's technical partnership with Red Bull Racing. Now, after the briefest of winters and just 89 days after the chequered flag fell on the final race of the 2020 season and a dominant victory in Abu Dhabi for Red Bull's Max Verstappen, the 20 drivers and 10 teams were back at the racetrack last week once again for pre-season testing. Now, normally, each team would have the luxury of eight days of track running at the Circuit de Catalunya in Barcelona. But for 2021, only three days of testing was allowed, albeit in the rather warmer surroundings of the Sakir Circuit in Bahrain. Day one, though, saw strong winds blow plenty of sand onto the track, made life very tough indeed for the drivers, and those winds continued into day two. The final day was much calmer, sunnier, and gave the teams plenty of opportunity to get in a lot of running. And by the end of the three days, the Red Bull team had completed 369 laps that's just under six and a half race distances and nearly 2,000 kilometers top of the list using so synergy race fuel was alpha tauri with 422 laps 2,284 kilometers and nearly seven and a half race distances and talking of fuels exxon mobile's man at the track in 2021 as fuels and lubricants advisor to the red bull team is sean dunnett and i managed to grab a few words in the middle of testing to find out more about what we can expect this Sean, great to see you here in Bahrain. First time we've been testing in Bahrain for some time now. Um, Is that good or bad news from a fuels and lubricants point of view? Because I'd imagine the characteristics of racing in this part of the world are very different to Barcelona. Yeah, indeed. I mean, it was only two years ago, maybe three years ago, that we saw snow in uh, snow in Barcelona. So I'm not sure there's a there's a chance of getting that here. But yeah, the temperatures we're seeing here are vastly um, different to normal, and that does sort of have an effect on the oil and the uh, and the air fuel. Things like the fuel that we have to look out for are things like uh, the actual combustion temperature. Obviously, we're seeing higher uh, engine temperatures here. Uh, combustion is very susceptible to um, sort of the, the sort of higher temperatures. You tend to get maybe a sort of a higher knock and a lower engine stability in general. So sort of things that we're looking for, especially with our new fuel and upgrade we've, uh, we've brought on this year, is that if it can perform here in a sort of stable manner, uh, then hopefully going forward to some of the sort of cooler European events, um, if we can get that stability here and get the engine performing well, then that's a one, one foot up to us. Uh, and the same with the lubricants and greases as well. With the high temperatures, things are working harder. And naturally, at high temperatures, the sort of lubricants are uh, thinner. They have a lower vis- viscosity. Uh, and so what comes with that is, is ordinarily a sort of lower level of protection for the components. So it's our job and, and the way we, that we develop our product range is that we get this, the, the products to perform not only in the cold that you see in Barcelona, we don't want any, any oils getting too thick, freezing, becoming solid, making sure all the oils are performing as they should, coating all the materials, providing this protection and performance that Rebel would expect. That's absolutely fascinating. Um, what we really want to know though is how hard have you had to work because that's the products that you've got and you've brought to the garage and you've brought to the racetrack and you know it's all going to work until you get to testing and sometimes it doesn't. So how tough have the last few days been? The fuel we've introduced for this year is an evolution from the fuel we introduced last year. 
Uh, we were really happy with how that went. Uh, I mean, Rebel with 13 podiums last year, I think one of their best performances in years. So that all looks good, um, good um, for, um, for us there, but we can't rest on that. So uh, obviously with Honda bringing a brand new engine for this year, and it is, it is hugely different to what we've seen before. Uh, we've been working hard with Honda. We've been sending various different blends, about 10 over the winter period for them to try to test on their dyno systems to work to make sure that the fuel we have for this year uh, is, 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 is right and straight and from the, what we've seen so far has been great. We've been seeing some really good results on simulations, on the dynos, on a, sort of, uh, like with the teams, we can do sort of computer simulations on what we think the fuel is going to do. Uh, we've been doing loads and loads of that over the winter and period and sort of the results we've been seeing in the first sort of two, three days of testing here, but also when the sort of VTC testing back at Red Bull have been really good. Do you have to plan ahead to halfway through next year and what Honda bring to the table, knowing that the ExxonMobil fuel that is going to go in there is going to work with that engine and give it even better performance. It really is a partnership between not only ourselves and Honda but also Red Bull as well. Um, looking ahead for the rest of the year, I'm sure Honda will bring upgrades. Uh, it's their last time year in the sports, so they'll be really pushing right to the end. The fuel is a stable fuel, it combusts well. Uh, we're looking in Bahrain at these high temperatures and it's and performing here, so we're confident that not only is it going to give us an upgraded performance to um, Red Bull, um, but also the sort of protection reliability that they're looking for as well. There's no point in having a car that's the fastest on the M track if it's not going to get round every race. So I think between our fuels and our lubrication packages, um, the sort of engine oil we're looking to upgrade in a few M races time, to, so we're excited about that as well. I'm loving this conversation, the enthusiasm that's coming through. But I want one number from you now. The SO Synergy race fuel that is in the Red Bull car the Alpha Tauri car for this season, out of 10, how good is it? It's got to be 10. <laughs> you don't put as much effort and energy into it. I mean, we've got quite a small team at ExxonMobil, but we all work, we, we, we all work flat out towards it as well. And, and as, you, as you said as well, I mean, it's really exciting to see how well the Alpha Tauri team is doing this year as well. The ExxonMobil Formula One podcast. So from a fuels and lubricants perspective, even in the final year working with Honda on the power units, we can expect a lot. It's clear that Honda want to bow out of F1 in style and are working flat out to achieve that. Since the last Grand Prix in Abu Dhabi, new regulations have been introduced by the FIA, resulting in some subtle changes to the cars for this season. Back in the UK, I put in a Zoom call to Paul Monaghan, Red Bull's chief engineer, car engineering. If you want the inside track on Red Bull's performance in testing, He's the man, and luckily for us, he can also explain exactly what's changed with the cars for this season and why the changes were needed. Big changes are coming our way in Formula One in 2022. There are changes to the cars for this year. So uh, as simply as you want to make it, what are the big changes to the cars uh, for this season? Biggest change has been to the bodywork geometry limitations, which we have to observe in order to reduce the fatigue cycle applied to the Pirelli tyres. So an amount of downforce has basically been taken off the car. Uh, this is in response to what were perceived as fatigue issues on the Silverstone Grand Prix. Imola, you know, we saw Max uh, have a little trip into the gravel. Mm. That was also uh, a rear tyre deflation. Whether it's a fatigue issue or not remains unclear. However, the FIA decided to protect Pirelli from the, the loads that were climbing through the year that we would lose some downforce. This was achieved by basically making the floor taper as it goes towards the rear tyres and its outer edge. And by, some, by extending 
out to the width of the floor what's called the continuity rule, which means the floor has to be a continuous surface all the way to its edge. So in simple terms, we've cut a bit out of the floor. We've got rid of the toast racks that were on the floor and the diffuser has got a little bit shorter as well to try and reduce this. The fences in there, yes. All because lap times have been getting faster and faster and faster. And eventually, as you rightly say, the the, the tyres need a bit of help on this one because otherwise you just have to make the tyres bigger, thicker, heavier. Have these changes worked? Will we see slower cars this year? We have made strenuous efforts to recover the load that has been lost. I think it's fair to say that the range of load we had through the big rear right height changes that we had last year will never come back. So that the rear load we make at certain ride heights is then much more peaky. It drops away either side of your peak much more than ours used to last year. Some clever people in Exxon and some clever people in Honda may have given us a little bit more oomph to push this car along. If you look at the overall package of it, in the end of straight condition, you're simply balancing the drag against the engine power. Drag comes as a consequence of making downforce. So the more downforce we make, the more drag we make. If you put a more powerful engine in the car, and ultimately, we can make a faster lap time, even if we've trimmed a little bit of aerodynamic performance off the car. And we're only judged relative to one another. We're not, it doesn't matter whether we say we've made 80% of the downforce back, 70, 60, 40, it doesn't matter. If we're quicker than the others, then we've done our, uh, our job and we will come out top of the park. So, so have you been demanding from ExxonMobil um, towards the back end of last year and over the winter that they give you more performance for this year in tandem with Honda uh, and their engine upgrade as well and the work that you've done chassis-wise to to make the cars faster? Yes, in summary, because I don't think it would matter whether the aerodynamic regulations have changed or not. The source of the gain does not matter. What we seek are these continual steps of improvement that yield ever better relative performance for us to our opposition. Everything Exxon have given us over the years that we've worked with them has always made our car better we are we may now argue over the magnitude of the steps they're not you know you know what's going to take you from p20 to p1 with one item however the incremental steps that we make take us closer and closer and closer to mercedes and potentially pass them so all we can do is keep plugging away and keep trying and keep asking of, of fantastic suppliers like exxon mobile for continued help Fantastic. Testing itself, the big headlines that came out of testing were that that Red Bull were the fastest team. Mercedes were in trouble, about three-tenths of a second a lap uh, back on you guys. Do you think that you left Bahrain after three days feeling that you had the fastest car? I think complacency is, is an easy lull to find yourself in. Potentially four teams vying for a world championship, and we all start level. Um, do we have the quickest car? Hard to tell. You tell me what tyres they were on, what engine mode they were in, how much fuel they had in, and all these other things. And then we can start to, uh, to make some genuine comparisons. But one of the great mysteries of testing, you may come out of there thinking you're you know, all well and good and this is, uh, this is, this is a done deal to get uh, bitten in the backside. And then you've got 22 races to sort it out because you've done the first race to realise, oh, sugar, we're not quite where we thought we were. Mm. And you just lost an opportunity and your, your opponents have pulled away partially. But did you leave Bahrain thinking we did everything we wanted to on our run plan and we did the laps that we want? So we had a bit of a, a trip up on day two around lunchtime. We had a bit more work in the garage than we might have wanted. But come <laughs> 10 o'clock, somehow the bodywork was on it, rolled out the door and uh, continued to roll um, 
throughout most of the time and we had so we've had way worse winter tests than that one so it was enjoyable and it was satisfying in that respect it presented slightly different challenges we're going into race one in not bad shape but when you look at the margins involved they are minuscule you know we come out 0.2 behind the mercedes in qualifying and we've lost a few hundredths at each corner how hard is it to find well it's damn difficult then you realize if we got a little bit more from, for example, the fuel, a little bit more from the oil, and you find that hundredth and each of the corners, all of a sudden we're sitting right on the pole, aren't we? Look at Abu Dhabi, look how much we got yeah. the pole by. And you do work for Red Bull and there's a steady supply of energy coming your way. You're at the right team for working long hours. Don't worry about that. Uh, just finally, Paul, I, I, I don't know how many years you've been working in F1, but I, I would imagine it's round about the 25-plus mark by now. Are you as excited about this year uh, as you have been about your first year and, and, and the year subsequent? Because I see a smile on your face. It's it's always exciting. Yeah, we get paid to play with cars. It's just yeah. you never grow up. It's Peter Pan world, doesn't it? Uh, the first few races can either accentuate or um, attenuate or dent your aspirations and, and what you hope can happen. You certainly never give up. I don't want the Bahrain test euphoria to reflect how we arrive at the first race because I think that would be wrong. All the bits have now got to come together and we've got to go and now take on our opposition in a, in a more controlled format. And um, as I say, the public examination can be a little bit brutal every week, but it doesn't deter you from doing it. There are skilled people all over the world that want to watch this and want to become involved or do their own thing by which they have a sort of a, a sporting pursuit. And... Um, Oh, it's it's fabulous, isn't it? It's yeah. It's just what we do, and if the excitement rubs off a bit, uh, so be it. I'm very very lucky. I've got a fabulous job. You get to play with cars and, and do stupid things and, and meet clever people from mobile. And you think, gosh, I feel intellectually a bit of an inadequate here. Yeah, it's going to be exciting going into bar. Only be a bit nerve wracking. I can never eat lunch before a race. Doesn't matter how many of the darn things I do. But tied up in knots with the thing and oh crumbs. But you wouldn't miss it. No, it's it's um it's the desire of competition, isn't it? it? It's putting yourself in a situation where it's a bit uncomfortable, and sometimes it comes out well, and other times it doesn't. Pick yourself up and go on. Yeah, if you go back to the first race last year in Austria, we had two DNFs. A week later, we're on the podium. In you know, Silverstone, we went there, we missed the podium, we decided to pit early. Next week, we win the darn thing. Um, and then we had a few near misses and some fun and problems in Scar and places like that. You turn up in Abu Dhabi, you're absolutely shattered. You're on the knee. At the end of 17 races in half a year, what do we do? Win it. All of a sudden, bring back in your step, isn't it? That's so good. It's the best job in the world. can't give it up. You can't let it beat you in the season. You've got to always just take a breath and come on. Well, you can do better than that. What's done is done. It's in the history books. Other people will write about it. All we can do is influence what happens going forward. Sun Mobile Formula One podcast. And I can assure you, Paul was smiling when talking about the team's chances this season. And whilst he's clearly not getting carried away just yet, this has been a very good winter for the team. Meanwhile, after the first day of testing, Max Verstappen passed me in the paddock. He was literally skipping as he went from the garage to the team's hospitality unit. He just completed 139 laps and trackside as I was watching. He looked quick from the outset. Two days later, I caught up with him in the paddock before he jumped into the car once again for his final stint. And that positivity was still very much in evidence. I can't see the expression under your face mask, Max Verstappen, but I hope you're smiling because this has not been a bad test, has it? Yeah, it's been all right. I think 
that's what you want from a test like this, just to do a lot of laps, get a good understanding from the car and everything around it with the engine as well. And uh, yeah, so far my first day, it has been running very uh, smoothly. So I just hope that, uh, you know, the afternoon is going to be the same. From a driver's perspective, we know you work out during the winter. How tough is it on your body physically when you get back in the car? I was all right, actually. Yeah, um, this track is, I think, also not as heavy uh, on the neck, for example, than Barcelona. But it was a bit warmer uh, than Barcelona normally. Um, but yeah, it's been all right. But also, I mean, over the years, you know what you need to do in the winter to, to be fit. So. And how much fitness work did you do during the winter? Was it every day? Was it more than in past seasons or what? Enough. <laughs> Uh, for me to be fit again, uh, to start in the car, uh, yeah, you always have a program. Of course, I had my commitments as well in between, but more or less, it's it's always like five five days a week, twice a day, uh, stuff like that. So it's all right. Because a lot of people put a lot of hours into making your car, into researching the fuels and the lubricants that go into the car to help power it and to keep it cool. Do you feel the pressure on their behalf for this season? Um, I don't because uh, I also have to deliver, they have to deliver, so it's a team job and uh, I guess it's the same. You know, I know what I need to do in the car to go fast and they know what they need to do to uh, make the engine go fast and uh, make it run smooth. So um, yeah, I guess in that perspective it's, it's the same. But after all that hard work and effort, they're all going to be cheering you on. So if you've got a message for ExxonMobil employees throughout the world who want to know just how good this season is going to be well the message needs to be i think that you know thank you very much for the, for all the support of course um uh, i hope you guys know that i always of course do the best i can when i'm in the car and yeah i hope that we can uh, we can fight mercedes to to the championship the exxon mobile formula one podcast so there you have it, a few words of thanks from a man who, on the evidence of testing, might just fancy his chances to carry on the race-winning form from Abu Dhabi last year. On that final day, Max completed a time of 1 minute 28.9, the only man to dip into the 1 minute 28 and the fastest time of the three-day test. Now, he and Sergio will be back in Bahrain in a few days' time when the action starts for real. Friday practice has been cut to just two one-hour sessions with a further practice on Saturday afternoon before qualifying and the race at day later. So that's not much time for those who really need it out on the track and not a huge amount of time for Red Bull to unlock even more performance. Using SO Fuel and Mobile One oils and lubricants to power and protect in extreme conditions. At Formula One is go for 2021 and so is the ExxonMobil F1 podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and if you want to know more about ExxonMobil's technical partnership why don't you head to the ExxonMobil Internal Motorsport website at www.mobileonemotorsport.com. We'll have another episode for you in a few races' time with more news from Trackside. And in the meantime, enjoy the opening races of the season. And thanks very much for listening. The Axon Mobile Formula One Podcast with David Croft.